everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein and today we are talking X-Men. That's right. This is our monthly comic book episode for February and we are going to be talking Jonathan Hickman's Inferno issues one through four uh, is a brand new series. The final issue actually just came out uh, less than a month ago. And in order to fully break down this uh, issue or these issues, I've got our great buddy, Rob here with us, Rob, welcome. What's up, Alex? How you doing? Good, good. Glad to have you here. I know you and I had, uh, we kind of first connected through House and and Powers of X uh, way back in, that was 2019, right? Probably, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it came out like after Endgame mm-hmm. in the summer or something like that. But I, I know right. I, I spoke on it briefly in our uh, X Men Hellfire Gala and Trial of Magneto episode that I did last month. And it's mm-hmm. crazy to think that even you know 2019 is now three years ago, which yeah. you know it used to feel like 2019 was today. Time is just moving by really quickly. And uh, the real, good news is. Real comics are still around and they're still being made we're still getting some great things to read and this was one of the probably i'd say highlights of 2021 in terms of comics just in terms of the hype because hickman had done his house and powers and then he came well he was doing the x-men series which was uh 21 issues and and went right into the hellfire gala and so from there he's kind of he kind of disappeared and so all of a sudden he had said, I'm going to be doing this Inferno series, which everyone at the time, at least what I saw, was assuming that this series was based on the old 80s, I think it was 80s or 90s Inferno series, which is funny because we just put out an episode around nostalgia. And again, every comic book is trying to recapture those moments from the end. And so I was assuming, okay, well, what does that mean? Because there's a piece in House and Powers, I believe is when it was, or it may have been during whatever it was beforehand, Um, destiny tells mystique that you know like basically whatever happens you need to bring me back and if they won't allow that burn it all down and that was essentially the kind of teaser for this inferno and so i guess the whole implication was something big is going to happen and mystique's going to burn everything down that the x-men have been working towards and that is not at all what happens in this series. So they kind of threw us through a loop. There's a lot of really interesting things that happen here, but uh, there's also a lot that I, I feel like you and I both anticipated was going to happen that didn't happen. So um, honestly, I feel like Inferno is kind of a mixed bag when you're you're looking at it comparatively to the rest of Hickman's stuff. But high level, uh, what did you think of of this uh, mini series? I mean, I liked it. It it was. Uh... I love, I love the art in there and I like the story. It's just, it's just like more house of cards meets X-Men type thing. Like a lot of, a lot of political stuff, which is pretty cool, you know, but like, uh, still kind of confusing with the, with the Moira stuff. Like, I guess this is her 11th life now, right? Uh, no, I think this is her 10th. This is her 10th life. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's pretty cool. It's like, some stuff kind of confused me a little bit as far as how how uh you know how 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 what what her uh role is in this whole thing so yeah maybe maybe you know something yeah and we'll definitely dive into that and there there were definitely a couple pieces that had me confused too so uh before we dive in spoilers obviously for these four issues of inferno i feel like right now on marvel unlimited they're on inferno number 2 
or Inferno 1 just dropped. So they will be coming to Marvel Unlimited soon. Uh, so if you don't want any spoilers, feel free to pause this and come back whenever you've finished reading them or listen to it and forget about it and then come back and enjoy it in a fresh new light. So um, with that said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through just a quick sort of uh, synopsis of the series itself. And then I have kind of some screenshots and breakdowns of uh, each of the issues and uh, we'll kind of go from there. So over the high level, the series kind of opens up with getting things back to where they were in House and Powers of X. Because uh, if you if you remember, the, the one thing that's been missing from this Dawn of X, and I think right now they're in the Reign of X, uh, mm-hmm. is the machines. Nimrod, uh, you know, Omega Sentinel, Omega Sentinel. The, mm-hmm. uh, the Dominions, basically all of that really high-level stuff that Hickman was putting out in Powers of Ten that was like, why is he talking about all this? As Like, it has nothing to do with mutants. And then you kind of figure out, oh, it kind of does. Uh, he finally brings that all back in this series. We've heard hide nor hair of either of those things, except for, I think it was issue number 20 of X-Men was a Nimrod issue where he kind of is basically Orcus is putting Nimrod in, getting Nimrod online. So essentially they're doing exactly what the X-Men didn't want them to do, what they've been trying to prevent. And so this is, again, a continuation in a sense of his X-Men series and of the the House and Powers of Ten. And so in that, Orcus uh, is a kind of like Hydra or AIM. They are the ultra scientists. Conglomerated like everybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a conglomerate and they've got, they have all of those people. They actually, I saw in one of the panels, I don't know if you caught this, but I saw a guy who had a shield logo on. Yeah. So like they're even pulling people in from shield. And so essentially getting the best and the brightest to do science, but at the same time, one of their high level objectives is kind of to eliminate the mutants. Uh, but I don't think they've gotten there yet because, you know, the mutants are operating or Moira has been giving them information over her 10 lives that Orcus mm-hmm. needs to be stopped. And so they're essentially trying to stop Orcus before Orcus can even do any of these things. And so by this, this issue opens up uh, or the story opens up with the X-Men invading the Orcus, uh, no, not node, but the kind of the Orcus base that's by the sun the giant base that they keep trying to get to and uh, all of them dying. No, it's, yeah. I said the, the weird part about this whole thing is like every time she says something, it, it like accelerates everything. They're making it that much quicker in every life. It seems like. That's a good point actually, because she's, I mean, we don't really know how long the time is she's been in now, but it seems like, you know, she's a lot older in a lot of the other lives and now she's a lot, which makes sense, right? If you're learning from your mistakes you're going to get to those spots in your life a lot quicker than you would. But that's a really great point to bring up because even in that sense, as we get to it, you know, she's got a long life to live. So like, what else, what the heck else is she going to be doing with her life now that she has all this quote unquote free time uh, or flea time, you might say, but, um, but so, yeah, so these X, the X-Men die and the Orcus, you know, they're, they're like, Oh, we've been reviewing the data and it doesn't make sense. You know, these X-Men, they keep attacking us, but they're not really doing anything different. Like they keep trying to attack us. And we're able to fend them off. Sometimes they try a different attack. Sometimes they do this. But each time, it, 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 they said something around like, it doesn't feel like they're learning. And, and so I took a little screenshot of this um, to say that, what was it basically? Yeah, he's saying, you know, more each time, of course, the attacks fall into two fairly clear categories, external forces and participants, including long range assaults, two assistants of hired assassins, a brood infection, 
And the second kind of being we have just observed, which is mutants from Kokoa, the same ones over and over. And so they're kind of catching on at this point that the, which is interesting because in, uh, in the hellfire gala, we find out that Ben Urich who, uh, or it's either Ben or Peter Urich, but he's the bad one is, uh, kind of working with Orcus and he has discovered through his investigative skills that, uh, he found out basically Cyclops, uh, died essentially, because they saw Cyclops in, in New York in Jerry Duggan's new X-Men series. And he was like, that doesn't make sense. I thought, I thought he died. And, you know, he starts looking into it and saying like, well, this doesn't make sense. And so basically at the same time, Urich on earth is figuring out that the mutants can resurrect. And so that is where, when I was reading the Hellfire Gala, I was like, oh no, like that makes sense for Inferno to burn the whole place down of like, the humans finding out that the mutants are re- being reborn and rebirthed as many times as they want, that can't fly. But they make no mention of that in this series at all, which was kind of surprising. So I guess it's not Orcus that's going to be doing that. I have a feeling it's the uh, probably the Eternals in the new Judgment Day series that's coming this summer. Is it um, this issue or the second one we're talking about trying, trying to triangulate uh, one of the portals? Um, that was, I believe, this issue. It might have been the next issue when they were working with Horticulture yeah yeah mm-hmm. that was pretty cool too and you know i loved that there was i, I might have screenshotted that because there was a, a spot in there where you're like okay this isn't you know this isn't your daddy's uh um bad guys because he said you know they're like ah it's just a fluke and the guy's like no no if we're gonna win there are no flukes you have to investigate absolutely everything and i was like yeah you do otherwise you are gonna lose and so they did that multiple times too where they're like ah you know we messed up we failed and uh, he's like, whoa, 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 no, you didn't fail. Did you guys learn something? And they're like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, well, then there you go. It was a success. And you're like, ooh, that's a bad guy who knows how to motivate his, uh, his employees. Uh, and that was just like a head scientist, basically, which was interesting. So in this first, first issue as well, we get an extended look at what happens. And I don't remember what issue it was, but Moira's third life, where Destiny and Mystique and Pyro show up and burn her alive. Uh, and we get a much longer look at this. And this is an interesting conversation. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Moira, both here and at the end of this series, is, is I guess her entire thing has been trying to cure mutants from to basically turn them human. And she says even more so when they're born so that they don't even get they don't even have the mutant gene. They'll never know what they lost and everyone will be normal, which you know, they hate her for that. Destiny and Mystique get really upset with her about this because they're like, why Why is she trying to destroy her own kind? It doesn't make sense. Uh, I think it's because however many lives in, like, I guess the, the, the first two lives before this one, it's, it seems like mutants always lose, right? Like, it, like I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. Like, mm-hmm. except for this, this, current, this current life that she's in now in life 10, mutants always lose so she's trying to figure out a way to to i I guess keep them out of the limelight so so basically she's making this this uh cure for anybody that doesn't want to become a mutant or whatever she's not trying to eradicate them but that's what destiny's telling her like you don't even realize like you're just going to make this cure and they're going to weaponize it yep like her intentions aren't like to to wipe out all of mutants her intention is to give a cure for people that don't want it because you know like we, we only see 
a small percentage of these mutants. So like, there's a lot of people out there that have the, have the mutant gene that have like effects that they don't even want or, you know, undesired effects of becoming a mutant. So yeah. We're only seeing like the, the powerful or the pretty mutants in, in any of these comics. We're not seeing- That's fair. You know, so- The guy who's just a think, blob of acid. She had no ill intention. Right. She didn't have any ill intention for the, for the, for the cure, but you know, that, to Destiny's point, like this can be, you think, you think people are just going to let you do what you want with this, this cure. They're going to weaponize it, you know? So that's, that's why she's, you know, basically torching her pyro, like, you know, let, you know, burn, burn her slow. So she'll remember. Yeah. So that's, that's what he tells. That's what she tells pyro. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I, I just figured that based off of that, that she wouldn't mess with that again, that she would be like, yeah, no. But, you know, when she gets cornered, she's like, yeah, I still want to cure all of the mutants. And it just it felt so X-Men three of like, don't you realize that, you know, yeah, it's going to help a couple of people, but they're going to weaponize mm-hmm. it. Why would you're a very smart scientist who's lived a thousand years? Why do you think that this is still a good idea? Uh, but yeah, so we see that, and then we get a we get a good conversation between um, Professor Xavier, Magneto, and Moira, and basically they come down, and uh, she gets really upset with them because they're like, "Hey, where were you?" She like left, and she's like, "Why is that your business?" Then they're like, basically like, "Oh, well, we we've been tracking you," and she's like, "Excuse me," and they're like, "Yeah, we put a tracker in your tea," and it was like, "Wow," and so. You know, they said basically, you know, they need to figure out what, what what they are going to do because things are they can sense things are starting to happen, basically, like things are moving in a direction they need to start getting there at this exact same time. They kind of call a council meeting and uh, Cyclops uh, resigns from being the captain commander of uh, of the armies of the X-Men, basically. So, again, something that came out of House and Powers of Ten was that. There are different factions of fighters all ruled under commanders. And then there's a captain commander who, uh, or a commander captain, one of the two. Uh, and so Cyclops ob- was the obvious choice because he's the, you know, obvious, obviously that's why he's the obvious choice. Um, but then there's Psy- Psylocke, uh, Lucas Bishop. Uh, and I always forget what, what is, oh, just, but he goes by Bishop. So Bishop and then um, Magic Bishop, and, yeah. and Storm, I think is the other one as well. But he basically advises like, hey, I'm stepping down. And instead, Bishop now becomes the com- the captain commander, which, again, f- it felt a little out of place for the issue. But at the same time, it made sense because Hickman's trying to Hickman's always telling some big story. And so this made sense to have like some Easter eggs like this. We're going to get to that, though, because, again, this is this was Hickman's last thing, apparently, mm-hmm. for the X-Men for Marvel. Yeah. So what what we what I read uh, and from some interviews, which is really fascinating, and, and I totally get it. Hickman is a king in my eyes. He can do very little wrong, but there's he, I have a few slight issues, and it's one of them is this, where he he get and I guess I can't blame him. He gets tired of doing the same thing. It feels like, or if he feels like he's got a better idea somewhere else, right now he's he's really big on Substack. He's trying to do this whole new sub Substack trend that all of the comic creators are doing. Great, fine, good for you. Um, but basically he created this X-Men franchise in a sense where he mapped out like years worth of story and it started with house and powers of 10. And then he had essentially, he said something like I had, he had three acts. And so it was like, that was the first act. And then Inferno, I feel like the way he described it was like Inferno is the second act. And then there would have been a third act. And the problem is, which I find this is where I get a kind of a little upset with him is the problem he had 
was that the rest of the writers in the X-Men writers room were like, whoa, whoa, hang on. Like, let's not rush this. Like, don't, don't put this part two out. We have all of these stories that we can be telling from what you just did in powers of X, everything about like, you know, they, they've come out with so many series and all of them have been really good. Cause I've been following all of them in Marvel unlimited. And I mean, they just recently did Legion of X and, or that one's coming out, but it was way of X. And then they did the X corp, which was all around like pharmaceuticals, so many cool possibilities that came out of it. And he basically said, like, I got to go do other things. Like, I didn't realize that this was going to take as long as it's been taking. So I'm going to truncate it down and do it all basically in this Inferno series and then call it good. Which again, it's like, dude, how do you not see, I don't know, from a storytelling perspective, what he did made this world seem so interesting now. And it just feels like there's so many more stories that can be told and he's kind of bailing on it. And that's where, again, he's got his reasons. He, he, yeah, I can't tell him what to do, but at the same time, please Hickman come back. Like we need you buddy, because <laughs> there's so much that happens in this yeah. that is going, going to either go unanswered or someone else is going to tell it. And I'm sure we'll get an interview of Hickman saying, that's not how I would have done it. And then everyone's going to be like, Oh, why can't we have the Hickman cut? And uh, so yeah. it was just, is a bummer. Yeah, because I was actually outside of this, like, what what's somebody going to pick up the pieces and tell, tell you know, jumping ahead again, who's going to tell Moira's story? Like, I'm sure he had a plan in place for, you know, for what happens at the end of this book. Yeah, I mean, he said he said that he was going to be doing a Moira book. And now he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Al Ewing is going to be. And again, all respect to Al Ewing. I can't wait to read this Moira book. But so like he passed on the work to Al and it's like, oh, okay. All right. So, I mean, Hey, if he trusts the rest of them, like I said, all of these X-Men stories have been pure gold. Uh, Some of them have been silver, but uh, overall, like it's been such a treat to read them that I'm not going to complain, but I do just wonder like, is it because he wasn't being patient or what? I have no idea. But uh, again, it may, that is one thing that I think was readily apparent from reading this series is that it just, it felt very dense but it also in a weird way, it felt really rushed because all again, all of these other stories, you know, Excalibur just hit 25 issues and half the other ones did as well. Marauders and uh, X Factor and New Mutants. And yet he's like, I'm going to just make four oversized issues and, and do like each issue is basically about 50 pages. Some are a little more, some are a little less. And um, I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's so many different things he tries to tackle. Cause okay, there you go. You got that. You've got this vote, not vote, but Bishop's the new guy immediately. Then it's like, all right, now we're going to be taking a vote to clean house. So they're like, all right, it's, it's, this essentially felt like a transition mini series where a lot of things, really cool things happen in this series. But at the end of the day, it feels like it's just setting up some stuff for the future, which again, I'm excited for those things, but I got to call it as I see it with that. Um, But so essentially brings the council all together and their plan. I don't even know what their plan was going to be because the plan was essentially to get a couple people, him and him and Magneto and Moira, Professor X were talking and saying, Hey, we need to kind of consolidate things. We need to start. He's like, I think we should tell Emma about what's going on uh, and bring her into the fold. We also should maybe clean up a couple people. So maybe some people want to leave. We could vote in some new people, essentially a changing of the guard. Like you said, Rob, very political. And Mm -hmm. at the same time though, they do not realize that mystique has, uh, has both, uh, faked deep faked as Eric and Charles 
in order to get access to a Cerebro helmet and then to resurrect Destiny. <laughs> and so we get one of the like most badass entrances I've seen in a really long time of Destiny just showing up and throwing her cape and then uh, you know mm-hmm. Raven's like, shall we vote? And there you can just see the anger in their eyes. And then the the issue ends. So that's basically the first issue is that they wanted to keep Destiny dead. They did not want to resurrect her because Moira specifically said, do not resurrect Destiny. If you do, that's the downfall of the mutants. And Mystique was just, you know, she wants her lover back. She wants her wife back. There's no nothing wrong with that. And uh, so by the end of this first issue, I was like, oh, things are about to burn down. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Did you feel that way too after, you know, when it ended? Were you like, oh, whoa, what's happening next? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a good setup with showing her uh, third life, like how everything played out. But it's just funny how Mystique was able to like, you know, invade different aspects. It was supposed to be controlled by different houses, I guess, or different different factions of the mutants. And she was able, like, because like she she went to the to the birthing pods as Charles, and nobody questioned anything. Like he's got right. this like None of the five. that's kind of sadistic nobody questioned anything it was yeah. kind of sadistic like okay well he's like she's like okay so what are you gonna do now and uh he's like uh i'm gonna let you do this one like that didn't raise a red flag like here right. you, you put you put you know cerebro on and you you do the damn thing yeah exactly <laughs> so, like oh one one out of a five the last 500 times you said you wanted yeah. to do it why are you not wanting to do it right now for this particular mutant yeah, yeah, yeah. very interesting uh and then in the you know the second issue opens up with again kind of showing and explaining how that all happened and we find out that Mm -hmm. destiny kind of had so i I saved a panel from here but basically said during the first week she returned destiny was almost driven mad by the endless seemingly atemporal waves of possible futures which were completely alien to her she was lost a seer out of time but Mm -hmm. as hard as the first week was the second was more difficult Love brought her back, that and the undying loyalty of wife desperate to be reunited with wife. However, while Destiny was unchanged, frozen in time from when they last saw one another, Mystique had changed. She thought about the years that had made her hard, immune to weakness. So she was surprised when Destiny asked, what has happened to you? What have you done? What have you become? And she was more surprised that it broke her. And then week three brought about forgiveness and reforged alliances For all mutants, for mostly just for each other, week four brought a plan. Week four brought a vote. And we get to see a, then we find out what the vote is. So essentially the second issue goes over this council vote, which again is a a majority rule, very political and very interesting with a lot of things we've been seeing recently um, in real life with all this sort of stuff. But um, the, uh, so essentially Charles votes no, Magneto votes no, Storm votes no, uh, Nightcrawler votes yes, he says, because he thinks it will please Mystique, which is fine. He's trying to get back in the graces of his good mom. Then Exodus votes yes, which I think they expected. And then from there, the question was, uh, how is everyone else going to vote? And Mystique essentially manipulates both um, uh, Emma Frost and uh, Shaw as well to make them both vote yes by telling Shaw that Emma is going to be voting no or something like that. And then Kate pride. She also votes. No, basically it's a, it's what was it? Is it four? It was like a five to three or something. It was a pretty decent five to four. Five to four. four, I think. 
Yeah, which mm-hmm. was just like infuriating. And and you can tell that they were infuriated. But at that point, we get a and I'm trying to see if I even if I saved it in here. Yeah, 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 yeah I did. And so they, they bounce that back and forth in between. So from there, uh, we get an interesting piece from Orcus. Again, they're trying to figure things out. Uh, Nimrod is online at this point and Omega Sentinel is coming out of the shadows and we're going to learn some more about them in the next issue. Some actually pretty big stuff. But at this point they said, uh, I, I saved this panel. I'm trying to see what this said, but he's saying, you know, there's still a seat that needs to be filled. Eric tells uh, Moira, and maybe we make that our offer that can't be refused. And he said that, uh, and so he says, you want to pick the white queen, don't you? Why? Because she's someone we can trust. He says, trust, if it's going to be her, it should be because she's someone who will understand the gravity of what we're doing and what we might be up against, because God knows what Mystique and Destiny are doing right now. And they go talk to Emma and they go bring Emma in. And I thought this was so funny because Emma has always been the, I just want to be included. Like I'm a, I'm powerful too, you know, you know, and she's definitely reclaimed her power over the years. But they go and bring her in and they even say something like, you know, you said that we should deal you in. Here we are dealing you in. And she gets so mad and she gets she gets to have the classic shot that Charles gets in Powers of X1 where he, you know, Moira, he reads Moira's mind and he goes, oh, and she does the same thing. She goes, ah, ah, ah," and then she just loses her mind and she's like, nope, nope, absolutely not. Like, I get why you kept this a secret but I'm done with you guys. Like this is a secret that was too big. You should not have kept this a secret. I'm leaving. And they're basically like, well, that didn't go. She was more upset that they didn't include her in it. Yeah, exactly. Which is again, that's, that's a total Emma Frost move that all she cares about is the inclusion piece of it. But so we get to the end of this issue and we're going, okay, so they're not going to include Emma who then do they include Colossus. And so this is very interesting. We get a zoom in shot on his face and it says in him, we can trust Rob. You haven't read any of X-Force, have you? No, I haven't. So uh, in X-Force is probably one of the best of the, of the issues going right now. Ben Percy does such a good job. Uh, And he has a storyline going on right now that actually came out a couple, I would say maybe a month or two before um, these came out in real time on Marvel Unlimited. So it was probably a five-month lag, something like that. Colossus is being manipulated by his brother, Mikhail, all the way from Russia. I still don't understand how it's going on. I don't understand how Mikhail's doing it. I think it's his mutant power. He has the ability to make somebody do whatever they want. He literally makes Colossus kill his like woman. I don't know who this lady was, but right now in Krakoa, Colossus has just been chilling on a farm. He's basically been farming the pharmaceuticals for all those flowers. He has all these fields that he's tending, and he's just a complete badass, shirtless in his metal, pulling plows in the field. And he's got this, uh, like a Russian bride who, uh, you know, it seemed like they were in love. And you don't see too much of it, but then he just, I think he like either snaps her neck or, you know, like puts her in a headlock and he has no idea why he's doing it. He has, and I was just like, so they're hinting at that here. I think of like, can he be trusted? Why did they pick Colossus? How do they not know that this is going on with Colossus right now? So I am very curious as to where this came from. I get that he is trustworthy because he is, but I feel like right now he's incredibly compromised. So mm-hmm. I have a feeling this is going to blow up in their faces in the future. Yeah. Well, to go back to like the whole vote thing, it's funny how like, the whole thing started and, and, and uh, 
House and Powers when they were building Krakoa was supposed to be like a united front, but everybody still got their little petty, yeah, pet, petty <laughs> deals. Like you know, uh, uh, Sinister, he he just wanted to vote yes because nobody tells him what to do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I guess I guess Exodus was the most, I guess, altruistic one. Like he he was doing it for the good of Krakoa. He wasn't doing it for any other reason. Right. He, you know, he, this is the first place where he said he's felt safe but he was doing it for the good of the nation but everybody else had their own little side dealings which is like you know real politics yeah exactly there's yeah it all always starts in good nature and then from there it it uh dwindles down so yeah again very interested to see where that pans out um from there we get to issue number three which is a little bit more i would call this the what ha- whatever happened to Douglas issue because we get to see some intros of him of Cipher and his communicating with Krakoa and with uh, Warlock I believe that uh, other being yeah, is yeah, that's yeah. with him mm-hmm. uh, and so now we get a, a deeper dive of what's been going on and it turns out the the long long of the short of it is that he knows exactly what's going on in Krakoa at all times through Krakoa himself including what's been going on in the no space. Because if you remember, uh, they basically had Krakoa create, and he, he explains it. He says, um, he says it grinds you down. St- oh, he says, uh, so this grows a different kind of habitat, a tumor that you are blind to. And the idea is that I'm going to give it to them, this no place, and they will see it for what it is, a place to keep their secrets. What they won't know is that we know which is now that you don't need to feed off of him. Warlock has spread throughout the entire island, acting as almost something like a nervous system. So while it's true that you will be blind to these secret places, that blindness doesn't extend to Warlock, enabling us to know what they don't want us to know. And their secrets become our secrets, and we know everything they are hiding. And uh, what like that was the intro, basically. And that was just so cool because you you had to have known that. Like, I, I get that he's creating a, a place where no one can see. But it's like it seems like with the X-Men and, and the X-Men truly are a house of cards. Uh, no secret can be hidden forever. Like everyone's always going to end up finding out the dirty laundry of everybody else. It's just a matter of time. And speaking of which, um, that's what kicks us off. So Orcus, through the help of horticulture, finds out where that uh, gate is that Moira is using to sneak into London and gets her, they capture her. And so that alerts and triggers Charles and uh, Eric. And they're like, okay, we've got to go get her. But at the same time, we also get a backstory on Omega Sentinel, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world because she is essentially Kitty Pride from, she is the days of future past of the machines. And so she says that she comes from a world where the mutants always win and she has been sent forward. Um, What does she say? She says it's super cool too. Something about the, um, the days of, well, she says it that way, the days of future past. Um, I actually took a a photo of all of these. So she says the mutants always win soon. The children of the vault, which are from the X-Men series uh, post humanity should emerge. They will appear to be dominant a threat to supplant humanity and mutantdom alike, but fractured and warring on two fronts, they would eventually fall to Krakoa. Post-humanity, it was believed, had arrived too early and would have to wait its turn. You were born in the year that followed, lesser than you are now, and she's talking to Nimrod, but you are still a marvel, a great machine, 
but your emergence, the threat of you did not go unnoticed by the mutants and your maker sent you back in time to fight mutantdom in its infancy. This Nimrod, this flawed you failed. Earth, the entire soul system, was lost to both human and machine. Mutants ruled, and all our machines' hopes rested in the timeless machine gods, the Dominions, to save us, to take us in so that we could be. But the mutants captured the celestial powers, life and death, and using the Phoenix Blade, the child of the sun who wielded it with vigor, destroyed Titan after Titan, Dominion after Dominion. And then she says, uh, and ended the machine future forever, except for me, Omega, at the end of the line. The trickster titan, betrayer, and coward of his brother and sisters downloaded my mind and pushed it through a black hole to infect and overwrite the me who lived in the past but had not yet awakened. Here she goes. I closed my eyes in mutant hell and opened them years ago here on Earth, all my days of a future's past. Which I was like, ah, oh, that you see. And, he, and so Nimrod says, ah, you started Orcus. And she says, I found a human man, a successful scientist, Dr. Killian Devo's, Devo, who's, that's the scientist guy. And she said she took his eyes and replaced them with machines. And uh, she is something more effective, something Nimrod. And it was like, oh, no. And uh, but I just thought that whole backstory was so cool. I I almost during that moment I was rooting for her because I was like, whoa, she's just trying to save her kind too. Yeah, I like we, we talked about her a little bit a long time ago mm-hmm. about Omega Sentinel, and like we I think that's what we talked about. I think just like not so much like every every life, the nine lives more I had before this one, they always mutants always lose, and this is finally the one where they they come out on top. And it just accelerates everything that much quicker. It's interesting, though, because, again, it's like, so they've been, so everyone has had their own machinations. You know, the mutants are trying to save themselves. Orcus is trying to save themselves. Omega Sentinel is trying to use Orcus to bring about the machines, which, again, uh, we get to hear a lot of really great machine allegory in this issue around, uh, or maybe that's in the next issue of just, you know, she's like, you take machines for granted. Like all of you create these machines to do whatever you want and you don't say thank you. And you depower us basically like, you know, when all our vacuum cleaners and iPhones rise up to take us over and she's like, she's not wrong though. Right. Like, you know, if that ends up happening, we should have been nicer to our machines. Um, but yeah, so they, they show up and essentially uh, Eric and Charles go here to this place to save Moira. That's where her transponder is saying that she is. And they show up. She's not there. And instead though, is a giant army of Orcus along with Nimrod and Omega Sentinel. And that's where we end that last issue, which jumps straight into the next one. And uh, we just get a giant fight, which again, like I said, you know, if you're talking about, well, not a lot really happens at the end of this in terms of it's a lot of setup. It's like, but don't forget the Nimrod fight because this fight is like an anime fight. There's so many ups and downs. We get an amazing moment where Omega Sentinel and Nimrod, they start the fight by killing all of their own men. (laughs) And so she says, this is how little you matter. (laughs) And then kills them all, uh, which was just insane to me. But then we also get a almost... uh, what would be like a super saiyan charles xavier 
where he's oh, like, yeah. where is Moira? And he uses his mind to destroy the Nimrod, to like disassemble the Nimrod, which didn't make sense. I was like, how's that even possible? That's machine. Did you have any ideas on that? Uh, I think that that's, that's Exodus's power. That's what he can do. He can like, it's like a Dr. Manhattan thing where he can break everything down. to Just disassemble components. everything. Yeah. But, and you so know, how does Charles, Charles do that? I guess because he's an Omega level mutant. Maybe so. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think he technically classified himself as an Omega level mutant. I think just Gene Gray was, but he still has them. I mean, he's got like a lightning coming out of his eyes when he's doing yeah. this. So he's clearly leveling up. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, though, we go, oh, whoa, whoa, where is Moira? Well, well, well. So Destiny did her thing, or uh, Mystique did her thing again and turned into like 16 different people in order to get her, bring her back to the yeah. no place. And so her and Destiny could kill her. And so what ends up happening is they get a gun from uh, Emma Frost, a gun that was built by Forge. That is a gun when shot turns a mutant into a human uh which again i love there was a line that uh i think she says it here uh yeah she says with something like this uh what a horrible this is mystique talking what a horrible device but once imagined impossible to forget it should have been destroyed the moment it was made and its designs wiped from forge's mind forever but I suppose even a flawed tool has one perfect use for one perfect day, but then it's done forever. And I was just like, I feel like that's like the typical bad guy talk of like, Oh, this evil thing that I made, if I just use it one time, I'm only going to use it once. And then when I'm done, I'll turn it off and we won't do it again. It's like, okay, no, that's not true. But um, so they essentially shoot her and turn her into a human. And that's and then that's when the big crawl comes up and it says the death of Moira X, which obviously is a play on words because it's basically saying that a death of her is a mutant. And so now they're like, oh, so this will make it really easy because if we kill you, you're not going to come back. And all of a sudden Cypher shows up and says, well, hang on a minute, though. (laughs) Let's not forget our mutant law about killing no man. And so if you do, in fact, kill Moira, I'm going to have to report you and then you will be sent into the void, into that abyss below with Sabretooth. And there's a great bit, and we'll get to it, where Destiny essentially calls out all of the different uh, outcomes that they could have had. Um, but at the same point, too, there's a, um, you know, Nimrod's basically annihilating them, and they, they get to a standstill. So Nimrod's got Charles in his grasp, and uh, Eric has Omega Sentinel in his grasp. Mm-hmm. And he, they're like, well, why don't we just let each other go, and we'll go our separate ways? <laughs> and, you know, a lot of logic is given to Magneto, and he's like, yeah, okay. And the minute he lets go, Nimrod's like, you shouldn't have done that. And then they kill both of them. And so both Professor X yeah. and, and uh, Magneto die, which was insane. Uh, what, were you shocked by that? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, the funny thing about this series is like, like I, think, I think Hickman does a good job of making death stick. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, they got, they got the, uh, the cradle. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh, it, it's it's cool because like they have no recollection of this fight whatsoever, right? Which Dude, I'm, I, I guess, I'm nervous you about. Know, they, they don't they don't get to back themselves up. They don't get the yeah. So they they have no idea what's going on still. Like they 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 don't know that uh, you know for lack of a better term, end game for all this. Yeah. Because they didn't reveal like you know Nimrod and Omega Sentinel didn't reveal what they were doing until that fight. 
so you know it's, it's not about you know machines or mutants or not sorry not machines it's not about humans or mutants as far as they're concerned they're trying to you know make a place for themselves but they don't know that anymore yeah those other versions of them died mm-hmm. yeah and we'll we'll definitely dive into that too um so more so destiny basically said so she was saying she couldn't see what was about to happen she said there was a hole there and once uh, once Cypher brings in all of his companions, so both his wife and then also Warlock and Krakoa himself, uh, she's like, oh, she says, I can see again. He had to decide what he was going to do, and now he has. The boy was an unknown axis. We did not know it when he, when he, it, we did not know it was he that we were spinning around. Yet here we are, and he has put us to a choice. The road branches, there are three possibilities. And Mystique says, in one of them, can we still kill her? <laughs> And she says, yes, but the price will be our removal from the council, our separation, and your exile. I will die six months after that. I will not be reborn a second time. And uh, Cypher says, well, that sounds bad. And she says, we, we can attempt to kill the boy, but that will fail. You will die. I will not. I will remain on the council. It is possible, but not likely, that you will eventually be resurrected three years from now. And he, Cypher says, that's strike two, right? Uh, it's always difficult to find out you're not the baddest person around. Yeah. Honestly, you shouldn't feel too bad. There's no shame in falling to bay. Uh, my lady is a beast. <laughs> and he, she says, in the last, the boy wins. Yeah. <laughs> we let Moira escape. We remain on the council and consolidate power, as does he. And she says, are you proud of yourself? And he says, it's always a thing to be proud of, obeying the laws that you make for others. And uh, yeah, and so then they so they let Moira go basically, and they say you're ba- you're going to be on the run for the rest of your life. You're never going to be able to blah 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 blah. And so then they you know that was the last we hear of her. And from there we get actually the opening shot from this series in the first issue of Emma rebirthing right, Charles yeah. and, and Magneto, which was really cool, just like in Powers and, mm-hmm. and House of X. And she says, "I told the council all, and they're all there, all of them." I told them the truth about what you and Eric and that that woman had been hiding. All of your secrets, all of your lies, and all the failed lives. We eventually came to an agreement. We agreed that you weren't wrong to keep the secrets. You were just wrong to keep them for yourself. So now they will be held by all of us. The quiet council is a curse now, not just a burden. However, it is one we will continue to share, one we will carry for our people, and so will both of you. But you, Charles, most of all, are first among equals, our leader of mutants, the most guilty of all of us. Heavy is the head, Professor X. Enjoy your crown. And, uh, and that's kind of how it wraps up. And so we get to see, and then it says, to be continued in Immortal X-Men, which is a new series that's coming out. Um, it's either this month or next month. Uh, it might actually, uh, yeah, actually, it is, it's March. And uh, by Kieran Gillen. And so he is going to be writing that and Eternals. And there's this judgment day coming with uh, the, it's a crossover between the Eternals, the Avengers and the X-Men. And so what it's looking like at this point is that the Eternals are trying to get back in contact with their gods and uh, find out that the mutants have, they find out the mutants are resurrecting and essentially the mutants are a creation from the celestials as well and so i think they're thinking we're going to kill the mutants and destroy them so that the celestials come back i have no idea they haven't released a lot but i think the avengers show up to try to protect the mutants which is actually a really cool move 
because they've always been at odds with them. But then it's called Judgment Day, so I'm assuming that means Arishim or some other giant celestial is going to show up to judge the planet as well. So do we know what happens after this? Absolutely not. All we know is that this Immortal X-Men series is coming out. Maybe that's going to shed some more light. But that leaves us with a lot of questions, Robin. So we've talked about a couple of them, uh, and I've got them written down. So we're going to go down the line. Here's the first one. This is probably the biggest one. When Destiny tells Moira, and this is from House of X and from this, you have 10 lives, maybe 11 if you play your cards right. That's what she tells her in year three. Is she predicting her becoming human at that point? To say you had 10 lives, but then the minute that she gets shot and taken away, that's her 11th life now, that she gets to live this human life as, as her final 11th life. Maybe she, maybe she knew, but I don't, I don't see how she would know. Because it, it, it's kind of like every time Moira dies, the whole thing resets. Right. So, I mean, if she could see that far ahead, that's pretty amazing. But it's not, I mean, it's not the same destiny every time. It's just it's a different. Yeah. So Because she maybe just saw I, the I guess, tendrils of those timelines. Because she said it even then. She was like, you know, I see this. I don't know. Maybe she was blustering. But I just took that as is that 11th life her becoming human? And now we are in Moira's last life, which is right back where we found her before House of X. So it only took them, what is that, 2019? We said it, three years. It took them three years to put Moira back to being a human after the really cool reveal that she was a mutant. So hopefully that changes. That that leads us to a second piece of the question that we talked about, Rob. What's in, what's the future for Moira look like right now? What are you? What were we speculating on? Uh, she, I think she's still vital in, in the, in the, the upcoming war. I think, you know, Charles and Charles and Eric are still going to try to find her. It's not, it's not like she's just gone forever. They're going to try to find her because she still has vital information. She still lived all these lives. She knows about Nimrod. She knows about Orcus and all this yep. other stuff. So it's not like, it's not like, she, you know, like, like you said in the beginning, they try what, 16 times to try to invade the uh, Orcus Forge and they yeah. fail every time because they don't know what's happening at that moment they they everybody gets reset to before they try i think the only time they ever like was successful at orcas was when they uh what was that thing the mother sentinel remember in 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 housing powers of x when, when Warren, oh yeah, uh, yeah yeah dropped it into the sun yeah that was like their only successful time and i, I guess yeah that, that was it but that that also catapulted like like accelerated the whole orcas thing because uh, what's her name? The doctors, because that yeah, remember that was in that was in the like uh, was it the first or second issue of House of Powers of X? The witch doctor, the the lady. I forget her. I forget the her one, name. the one in Orcus. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, the one who I guess her husband ends up turning into Nimrod. I think is what happens in the X Men series. Um. Something is that like what that. it is? I okay. think so. Okay. Yeah, I think they did that. That that might have been the Nimrod issue I'm talking about. That issue number twenty of X Men. Um, I'm pretty sure her okay. husband's like dying or something, and so she transfers his consciousness into Nimrod, and he is now Nimrod. Because they make a mention of that in here when there's okay. she's he says like your husband, and she's like don't call him that. Like he's not my husband anymore because he's a robot right. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, we kind of talked about the Colossus one about him being man- manipulated by Mikhail. Again, I don't think we're going to know anything more about that until either we find something out next force or in whatever they decide to move this forward with. But here's one we talked about too. How much of the fight do Charles and Eric remember? So it sounds like they're not going to remember anything. So again, 
they're back at square one again, no, like, no. which stinks. Here's the thing. I don't know if they remember, like they had to know it was, it was uh, destiny and, 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 and uh, setting it up. Cause remember they cut her arm off because forges nanobots collected in her elbow. That's how they were able to track her. And that's why they showed up there in the first place and they were gone. That's why, like, it, this whole thing was Mystique setting it up with, with the Orcus soldiers and, and... Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Omega Sentinel and, and Nimrod showing up right at the same time Charles and, Charles and uh, Magneto showed up. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to remember none of that. So frustrating, too, because to me, and I, I get why Mystique did all of this. She did it for love. That's a great reason. But, like, how dumb can she be to not be, like, do you not realize not only are we trying now that we know, right? Like we're, we're trying to keep the mutant, you know, there's that moment when they go in and they're interrogating uh, Moira saying like, I can't believe you're trying to end the mutant nation and bring it to its knees. And it's like, do you guys not realize what they've been doing? Like this could have been solved with a conversation. Obviously it's very hard to trust Magneto and professor X at this point, but like, Everything that they are doing is to try and keep the mutant nation alive. Like they are doing the greater good. And obviously some of the things they're doing are questionable, but overall their heart's in the right place. I mean, essentially it works, right? It works. And now you find out that the machines are coming and you're yeah, still being so petty about turning her into a human that you can't be like, oh, we need to put our differences aside right now and figure this out because the machines are coming. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Cause, cause they, they should know. Uh, and Destiny, Destiny should and know, Mystique. right? How does she not yeah, know? Destiny Maybe it's because Mystique she's fresh. Know. She just came out, but still, it's like, come on. Like, why? Again, all it seems like was they were they were looking for revenge. They're trying to burn things down. I hope I hope there's some retribution there coming forward because they essentially just weaseled their way into the council and and kind of screwed everything up. So that's a that's a big one. Um, yeah, I said, is Omega Sentinel the hero of the story? Um, I guess the answer to that is she's the hero of her own story. <laughs> I don't know if she's the hero of this story, but um, I just thought it was so cool that she came from Days of Future. So yeah, I said, uh, what happens to Moira now? Talked about that as well. Um, I I think same thing. I'm very curious to see what Al, I think it was Al Ewing, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, for that series, I'll be interested. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I want to read it, but I'm like, I have no desire to read another. I was never a Moira McTaggart person. Obviously Hickman made her incredibly interesting and her becoming human now has made her way less interesting. So I hope that there's a storyline there that Hickman was like, Hey, Hey Al, here's what I was going to read, like write about. Here's a little of uh, some breadcrumbs because I, there's just gotta be more to it. Like, like that was one of the biggest reveals in comic book recent. That's like up there with Bucky coming back like and then they just drop it after three years it doesn't make sense here's something to, to think about alex what happened to her at the end what, what did they do to her she got warlock warlock put some of his like uh powers in her, her arm he oh her right arm. Cut her arm off. that's right yeah yeah yeah. so what you know what, what if they what if they spin that off as something like you know because now you say warlock can see everything that goes on a cola even the blind spots that 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 couldn't see in the first place now he can see yeah so now she can't come back at all because she's quote-unquote human she can't come back to the to the uh, portals but she can see what's going on because she's somehow yeah. connected to, to to warlock yeah it's gonna be like a rear window type of situation where she just watches everything 
and doesn't she's just in a hotel room and the whole the whole series is just her in a trance with the arm watching what's going on in Krakoa. oh yeah. wow this is cool they're having a party without me that, that, that that's just what i was thinking that's a great thought yeah what's our last uh our last look of her oh yeah she just kind of runs away and i, I hated that too she's like enjoy it while you can enjoy it while you run it's like oh, okay cool yeah, you're going to wish me luck? Nope, we're not going to wish you luck. Bye-bye. But, listen, it's just, but, but it's just like you said, Destiny's supposed to know better. She's supposed to see all these little different outcomes of what, what's, what's going to happen. And, and all it did was create like an accelerated uh, resistance from, from the machines. Yeah, it's basically yeah. what happened. They finally win. They finally win, and it just sends Omega Sentinel back. It makes it days of future past, like you said. Instead of Kitty Pride as Omega Sentinel now. Yeah. So, I mean, again, yeah, it's you, like you that's got, like the idea you, you of time travel, wanted. right? Like, oh, if I know what's going to happen, like if I know when I'm going to die, uh, I'd love to know when I'm going to die so that I can prepare for it. And it's like, you know, it says that you slip on a banana peel. It doesn't tell you when. And you're like, oh, I got to avoid all the banana peels. And the next day you slip on a banana peel and die. Or no, you, you, you see a banana peel right. and you walk out of the way and get hit by a car and die. And it's, you know what I mean? Where it's like, if you, you know, know knowing what the future yeah. is, you're accelerating getting to that point in the future because you now know it. And in trying to prevent it, you in fact accidentally speed it up, which again, that's where I'm like, how could they have not just been like, look, Mystique, I know you love Destiny, but can you please just trust us? Can we please just leave her alone for one more year while we figure this out? Because this is not good, but crazy. Um, last question I had on here. When will we see the machine war slash this story continue? Because again, Hickman says he's done. So does someone else have the right to pick up the story? I would say they do. Yeah, obviously Marvel owns the stories, but how? Because again, even it with this series being just a little bit less than the other two, it was still insanely entertaining. The dialogue was incredible. The backstabbing and the back and forth was all of it was so Hickman. And I don't think you can pull that off with a lot of other people. I could see Kieran Gellin doing that if he's going to be, if if this Immortal X-Men series is that sort of thing, he's a guy I would trust doing it because he's he's doing that right now in Eternals, Rob. We read that in those Eternals series. He knows how to write that sort of stuff, that Game of Thrones-esque stuff. So if that's the case, cool, then I'm on board and I'll, I'll start reading those on Marvel Unlimited as they come up. But if not, I mean, where do they go with this? Because yeah, there's a lot of different stories that are, are ripe for the picking right now. You've always got a mutants versus humans or blah, blah, blah. But this machine war seems like a big sort of crossover event type world ending thing that Marvel could use. And that also is kind of a brand new thing, right? It's not a retread of something from the eighties, like Inferno or civil war two or whatever you'd call it. Like, this would be a brand new story to get new readers. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I defer to you on that one, man. You're, you're, you're the expert. I'm just, I'm just here when it happens. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's about the extent of what I know on that too. So I, if only we could be that fly on the wall in the creative committee meetings. That's yep. uh, that's all I want. Well, cool. Um, Rob, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this this series. Like I said, I, I do have a little couple. Nit, we had some nitpicks with it, but I think overall it was it was fantastic and and something um, worth the wait in a sense, if only to continue that great story that came from House and Powers. Would you agree? I do. I agree. I like all the Hickman stuff, man. Yeah. Everything that I've read so far has been really entertaining and they really get you thinking. So, mm -hmm. you know, just, just like, just like house of powers, this one's the same way. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Hey, thank you so much. Always a great time when you're on. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Absolutely. And for comics and cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you at the movies. We'll be right back.